0: On Roar, I share real talks with top executives, thought leaders, luminaries, authors, and entrepreneurs who are passionate about building the next generation of inspired, empowered, game-changing leaders. Are you ready to fear less and move into your dream life? Let's Roar! Welcome to Roar. I'm your host, Lakeisha Gunter. So, what do I mean by Roar? The beauty of Roar is that it's both an acronym. The acronym stands for reflection, opportunity, action, and relationships. And it's an action. We are all born with it, a hidden power inside of us. It is a fire that is often suppressed by fear. That power is your Roar, and it's waiting to be unleashed. Today, I'm excited to talk about how to build successful teams. I know all of us would like some insight on creating a winning formula for building successful teams. Well, my guest today knows all about this topic. Success is overcoming obstacles on the way to achieving your dreams. It doesn't happen by accident. There's a pattern, a template, a recipe, a formula that these accomplishments have in common. Alex Molden knows all about winning formulas, and he's used them to rise from a seventh grader who missed the opportunity to attend football tryouts due to a death in the family to playing in the NFL. Now, we all know it's hard to make it into any professional sports arena, but I'm not sure we know how hard it really is. Well, I looked it up because, as you know, I'm an engineer and I love data. Here are some stats for you. There are a million ninety-three thousand two hundred thirty-four high school football players in the United States, and six point five percent of those high school players, or seventy-one thousand and sixty, will play in college. The drop off from college to the pros is even more dramatic. Only one point two percent college level players will get drafted to the NFL. Six thousand five hundred players are scouted by the NFL. Two hundred fifty-six players are drafted to play in the NFL and eight out of 10,000 high school seniors will make it to the NFL. These numbers highlight the astronomical odds of making it to the NFL. But today, we have a guy that defied the odds. Alex Molden is a former University of Oregon star defensive back, go Ducks, the 11th pick in the 1996 NFL draft, and now a podcast host of the highly rated Shark Effect podcast, And he's a highly sought after leadership coach. And most importantly, he's my friend. I'm excited to have Alex Molden join us on the show today. And man, does he have some good stuff to share on what it takes to create a winning formula for winning teams. Let's welcome Alex to the show. Welcome, Alex. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I tell you, I've been so looking forward to the opportunity to chat with you and to just share you with the audience Man, this is going to be a great conversation today because there's no one who knows more about what it takes to win, what it takes to be a part of a winning team, how to show up and be the best player you can be on the field to create that environment for success. And so, yeah, I mean, we're just so excited to chat with you today to talk about what it takes to create a winning formula for building successful teams. And I think you know a little bit about that, right? I do.
1: I do. (laughs) (laughs) So you got a little bit of experience, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I tell you, I can't wait for you to unpack that for us. But before we launch into that, I really want to give the audience an opportunity to learn a little bit more about you personally, right? You know, I've had an opportunity to meet you over the last year or so. We have a mutual coach in common, mutual friend in common. And um, I've just enjoyed every opportunity to just Learn about your background, just you know what you're focused on, your mission, your vision, and it's really about impacting people's lives. And so, before we get into that, I wanted want to really know where all that came from. So, tell us a bit about your background, where you're from, and who were some of your biggest influencers growing up?
1: Mm, absolutely. Well, so I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. Now, I'm an Army brat, so I didn't spend a whole bunch of time in Detroit. Um, maybe about the first four or five years of my life. And then, man, I was in Oklahoma for three years and then ended up in Germany for three years and then finished up when I was going into fifth grade, ended up in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. And so, in Colorado Springs, you know, I was just a normal kid outside running around, you know, playing everything with, with everybody. And um, I end up kind of falling. In love with football, but it started off like I didn't play football until my eighth grade year. Wow. And so I distinctly remember watching kids from sixth grade and seventh grade in the fall, they would come to school with their shoulder pads and their helmets because they had practice right after school. And I just thought that was just so incredibly cool with these shoulder pads and the helmets. You know, I didn't know, now, now, I didn't know anything about football. You know, we didn't watch it on TV. My dad never played it. He never talked about it. We never threw the football around. But it was just something about, you know, I thought it was really cool. And I, finally, I, and I begged my parents, you know, my sixth and seventh grade year, and they wouldn't let me. And then finally, my eighth grade year, they said, okay, you're going to play. I said, okay, cool. So I want to play with the same team as my homeboys. Right. Right. they was like, uh, no, uh, that costs $250. Oh. Ah. No, you're going to play for the boys club. And so the boys club, it costs $1. Hello. So, so, so I went to our boys club and I, um, you know, ended up signing up and I didn't have any cleats. I had to borrow my dad's really good friend. I had to borrow his cleats. And his cleats were, his cleats were, uh, shoot, three, four sizes too big. I remember wearing, like that year, I wore cleats. I wore like three or four pairs of socks every practice and every game, just so I could kind of fit into them. But I had so much fun. It was so much fun. Lakeisha, I, and, wow. you know, at, at that level, we had one coach. Yeah. <laughs> we, one coach, he was the... Offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, special teams coach, linebacker oh coach, linebacker coach. <laughs> And, you know, w- with having that much on his plate and, you know, he, he did as, as well as he could. Mm-hmm. But we lost every game. OK. <laughs> OK. So it was a rough hey, first year. <laughs> it was a rough first year, but that did not determine. I had so much fun. It was it was incredible. I got to hit people. I had so much <laughs> bottled up <laughs> anger. You know, really, it was it was a way for me to kind of let loose of it, and uh, you know, and do it in a safer environment. And so, I just I fell in love with the game, and and uh, you know, I I started to find out more and more about the game and and what it could do for me. And I didn't know what it could do for me. I just loved playing it, and I ended up finding out about the word scholarship. Right before, ah. right before my sophomore year. I, I mean, honest to, honest to goodness, I didn't, I did not know what the word scholarship meant. And once I found out, I mean, my whole world it kind of opened up. Mm-hmm. And then at the same point is I became so focused on getting that scholarship that you know part of my world closed down, and I put on blinders.
0: Wow. Um, because
1: I was so driven to, like, because I knew I was, I, I mean, I figured I was going to the Army just like my pops, mm-hmm. right? And so there was something bigger out there that I could be able to explore and, and, and you know, thrive and using the the vehicle of football. And so it was, uh, you know, I talk about people who inspired me and kind of, mm-hmm. like, pushed me. And it didn't come from from under my roof. It really right. came from... It came from a, uh, a gentleman actually at the boys' club. His name was Ron Brown. Mm-hmm. And he was like the gym manager or whatnot. And so he, he kind of started to tell me about you know scholarships and what that can do for you and what it takes to get one. Well, You, you got to start lifting weights. You got to get bigger. You got to get stronger. You know, you got to become a student. And so I, I followed every word he said. Wow. <laughs> it really, it pushed me to some pretty cool heights, whether it's in, in high school and then, you know, moving on the ranks. And so it, w- it was just something that, you know, there's a lot of obstacles and, you know, I'm sure we can talk about that. But once I found out about that word, it changed the game for me. And, and I, I really, I never wanted to have any type of excuse for me not succeeding. Wow. If that makes any sense.
0: I love that. So just going back to just um, kind of your immediate interest in football. So I think you saw some friends, you saw the the helmet and the pads and that excited you and an opportunity to just get out there and just have fun. But hit some people in the process, huh?
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. that. Yeah, that was one of the driving forces. I got to hit people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then I hear you say, um, you know, you were willing to find a way, right? Find a way to show up and be present, right? Whether you had the right size shoes or the wrong size shoes, it didn't matter. You were determined to get out there and really just enjoy the process of playing football and learning the game.
1: And that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was... uh, You know, like I said, my football IQ wasn't very high, Mm -hmm. but once I started to find out about it, and I was like, "Man, okay, well, you know, there was no internet, there wasn't any magazines that I knew about, maybe Sports Illustrated, but at home we did have a set of encyclopedia." Wow! I looked under F, and I looked at football, and I started to, I started to gather information. I started to educate myself. So I would go through that and find out, okay, what are their positions? Quarterback, running back, linebacker, defensive back. I was like, linebacker, I like that. I like that <laughs> linebacker. You know, what their job is, it's kind of a combination of both run and pass. And and uh, so, yeah, I started to learn from there. And then we end up one of my good friends because we didn't, I'm going to say we couldn't afford it. We just didn't, we didn't do it. But. My buddy got a subscription to Sports Illustrated, a year subscription. And this was, shoot, this was like in, I don't know, 87, 87, 88. And so, with that subscription, he got this VCR tape. And it was this videotape, about 45 minutes, and it was called Crunch Course. So, this videotape was Crunch Course, and it detailed the sounds of NFL. Football and some of the um, some of the best players, Walter Payton.
0: Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh,
1: Dick Butkus, Ronnie Lott and then Lawrence Taylor. who oh, played LT. linebacker. <laughs> yes. Who played linebacker. He was the last one. And I watched that tape. Uh, Lakeisha, I, you I wore that out. tape for <laughs> one summer and we didn't have a VCR. So I would go over to my buddy Dennis's house every day during the summer. And I watched it over and over again. And, you know, I I call it during some of my talks and, and whatnot is the windshield effect where I would watch it over and over and I would stop seeing Lawrence Taylor and I would start seeing Alex Molden Ooh, I doing, those same, doing those same things. And uh, it, it really helped me out to see you know, because in my head, I, it was one thing to be able to see myself doing things. But then once I saw it at the highest level and I got to hear it, all wow. the talk, all, you know, all the, the trash talk that comes with it, <laughs> the, the hard yeah. hits and the, and the talking, and, you know, amongst teammates and whatnot, that just took it to a, another level for me.
0: I can only imagine. Yeah. I mean, as you were talking, the windshield effect, I just began to say, you see it and you can believe it, right? You you saw exactly what you could become by watching LT and you absolutely achieved that goal. Wow. And I love the fact that you talked about Mr. Brown, right? Mr. Brown was a huge influence in your life. And he basically laid out a plan. He laid out a blueprint. He laid out a formula, if you will, right. For you to get from point A to point B to get from high school, middle and high school playing football, and then onward to, you know, the next chapter, and we'll talk about that. But that's powerful. And I love the fact that you said there may have been obstacles along the way, but you were determined. And that word that was in your mind was scholarship. And let's do everything I can to get that scholarship, because scholarship means opportunity. Yes. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I mean, building on top of that, right? So, Mr. Brown, sounds like you had to, a good crew, so to speak, that you're in with, that you guys stuck together pretty tightly, and football was certainly the common thread. When you think back on your experiences growing up, you know, obviously, you know, that shaped you to become who you are. Was there one particular defining moment for you? It might have been your boys club experience with Mr. Brown. Was there anything else that really helped you define your roar along the way in spite of all the obstacles around you?
1: Oh, man, I think what really pushed me was I wanted to do. I saw something a little bit bigger for myself instead Mm -hmm. of just going into the army. And that was, that was great. That was, you know, what my dad did and, and uh, you know, the life that he created, that was fantastic. But I think it was just, it was a moment where things changed for me when, you know, honestly it wasn't, it wasn't like, there was a moment my freshman year Mm -hmm. where I was hanging around the wrong crowd. Mm. I lost my focus. And I was easily, I don't want to say misguided, but I was influenced by the wrong type of characters at the moment. And being, you know, a freshman, you want to, at one point or another, you Mm -hmm. want to hang around the cool kids. Exactly. And I did that. And I got off track for a full month, meaning I was was hanging around the wrong kids. Man, we go over to my buddy's house and we would smoke weed after school. Mm -hmm. And I did that. I did that for like about four, four and a half uh, weeks. Mm -hmm. And I finally, I came home and I looked in the mirror. And I mean, really looked in the mirror for about five minutes. And I said, is this really what you want to be? Is this really you? And I looked and I couldn't, I didn't recognize myself. You know, I didn't recognize myself. And I was like, this is not the person that I want to be. And I was, I was raised better than this. And um, I got back into alignment. And uh, <laughs> got, got you. back into alignment. And it just kind of turned me around. I stopped hanging around them and, uh, you know, told them the reason why. And, uh, you know, they can talk about me all they want, but that was it. And I, wow. I think that, that moment, that really changed the trajectory of my life. Talk about a powerful moment of self-reflection where you, yeah.
0: you know, I mean, gosh, you know, it didn't take your parents or anyone else. It was you saying, listen, I, you know, I don't like what I see. And the, is this activity, is this behavior getting me close to where I want to be long-term? And I think you asked yourself those tough questions and you got the answers. And immediately, it sounds like you, you turned from that and said, okay, let me refocus uh, on where I really want to be. That's
1: awesome. Absolutely. yeah.
0: Well, you and I, you know, we have a mutual friend in common, L, and, you know, a lot of times uh, we, we have these uh, interesting conversations, right, where uh, he asks us these series of questions. They're all good questions, right? And so one of them that I know he he loves to ask us about is really, you know, how would we describe ourselves, right? You know, who are we? What's important to us? How, how do we want to show up in the world? So I'm going to ask
1: you the same question, right? What would you say to that? Well, you know... It- it's kind of changed, right? It, it mm-hmm. changes from, you know, from my twenties and my thirties and now I'm I'm in my forties, but I realized that who I am is somebody I want to serve. Mm. And it gives me great pleasure to be able to serve others. And for a majority of my time after football is I had great joy in serving others where, how I was served, like Ron Brown, he taught me, how to become a better athlete. Mm-hmm. Right. And I saw that and it started with him. And then I got in high school and then I had some, you know, some more coaches. And then I got into college and had a strength coach that really impacted me so, so much mm-hmm. that after football, I looked back on what I wanted to do. And I wanted to have that same type of impact that he mm-hmm. had on me. His name is James Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. And he's a world renowned strength coach at the University of Oregon. But I wanted to to have that time, that same type of impact. And so I've been doing that for the past 12, 13 years. But now, after, of course, with um, the uh, relationship I have with Eldridge Poussard, our coach, mm-hmm. it's like I know I can have more of an impact and it brings me great joy to serve others and make them become better leaders. Yeah, I love because it. Because if you're a better leader and it starts with leading yourself. Mm -hmm. But if you're a better leader, you will have more impact and as a better husband, a better wife, a better manager, a better boss, a better father. Mm -hmm. And so that for me, that's more impactful. How can I help people take care of themselves and underneath their roof first and then go out there and become better in the community? So that's who I am now, and, you know. And I do use my journey of of playing a kid sport and playing it at a high level, mm-hmm. and and some of the, uh, you know, the different characters, the different people that are thrown in your in your life, and you guys, you you know, you mix that all up, and then you give them a goal to try to win. That can be tough because you know you're dealing with people from different backgrounds. They don't, absolutely not not all of them grew up in Colorado Springs, Colorado, you know, there's cats from all over, people from all over that you're put on a team and some of them have selfish ambitions. Yes. And to, and to a certain point, we all do. Right. Especially right. get an NFL because it's all, the NFL stands for not for long. Okay. So you, <laughs> oh you are trying, to, yeah, you are trying to, every time you touch the field, you're trying to produce, you're trying to make plays. For yourself for yourself first so then the next team or that team that you're on can offer you another contract it's about how long can you stay in and so with that and then trying to bring team first mentality that can be tough that can be really tough and I've been on uh, I've been a part of good teams but honestly I've been a part of more bad teams than good teams
0: Wow, and I'm sure there were tons of takeaways from the bad teams that helped you say, "Okay, oh my, we're goodness. not going to do this." So, talk a little bit about that, right? As you talk a little bit about your journey to to becoming an NFL football player and, and making it into the league, and then just your opportunity to see some
1: good teams and some bad teams. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, I think I learned a lot at the University of Oregon because when I first got there, they were horrible. I got there in '91, and prior to that they went to two bowl games in 20 years wow okay two bowl games in 20 years and i got there and our first year we went like three and eight mm-hmm. and uh you know and, and i was red shirting and then the next year we went six and five and we went to a little you know it's the independence bowl okay and, all right uh, it was uh it was you know i think that was a. Uh, in Louisiana, uh-huh. and it was yeah, it was, it was all right. Right, you know, my, right. My, my, my parents and all my homeboys got to see me on ESPN. Nice, but you, you know, still had a little
0: ways
1: it, to go. Still <laughs> a little ways to go. And then the next year, we went another three and eight, and Uh-oh. and then I started to kind of start to take note or notice of the individuals in the huddle, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, some of these guys don't have the same type of commitment mm. as myself. And you know, I was thinking that man, we all committed to winning and you know, we're gonna put ourselves in the best situation when listen to the coaches. We ain't gonna, you know, when we get in here for practice, man, we going hundred percent. All in, yeah. And it wasn't it was not like that. Not until not until my junior year. And my junior year, we we and we knew we had a squad. Lakeisha, we had talent. We well, had on top uh, of talent. Man, yeah, yeah, we had, we had a lot of talent, guys that were hungry, that was waiting their turn, and now they get it. And we had some athletes all over the place. But we started out the year one and two. And so it was our head coach, Rich Brooks. It was like his 17th or 18th year, and they was calling for his head. They wanted him fired. The media, the fans, they was picketing outside of our practice. Wow. It was like, oh, no. Here we go. We know
0: University of Oregon football is an institution. okay? so if you're not winning, it's a problem.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so we end up having a players only meeting. We kicked all the coaches out after this particular uh, practice. And it was just a players only meeting. And, you know, I was a junior. I had some success. I was, you know, this is my third year starting. And so because of my experience, that was, you know, I was a leader. I wasn't very vocal, but. I was one of the first ones now because I was kind of fed up, you know, with being in the huddle and I smell liquor on oh, the no. guy's breath the day before the game. Now okay. this was in the previous years. This okay. year we had more commitment, but it's still like I knew from you know just from my past what it took. Right, and I said to even get to up, where
0: you are today, right? So you didn't want to go get, back. Yes.
1: No, and I was like, look, you know, we have something special. What does it take? Do we have any any question? Like anybody want to add to this? You know, and I stood up and I was like, uh, because it was our quarterback who said that, and I and I was one of the first ones to stood up. You know, with my hand raised, and I said, "Look, we need to start putting more emphasis mm-hmm. on how we prepare. So on practice, let's start, let's start treating practice like a game. So if you have that same mentality." In practice, yes. then you don't just turn it on and off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's start treating practice like a game situation. And then because now, man, everything is heightened. Mm-hmm. You know, when everything is heightened, man, everybody plays at another level. Exactly. You hit, and hit, hit it the next gear. Yeah. And then, now it's not a surprise when game time come. Oh, now let's turn it on. No. Let's make it something that – let's make that a part of, of our identity is when you play us, you're getting 22 guys, 11 on offense, 11 on defense, where you turn on the film and he's like, man, there's a couple <laughs> of things going on. They are flying around and they're having fun. And once we had that type of mentality, along with some other, you know, some other key elements that helped turn that around – we went from one and two to Lakeisha. We won the Pac-10, and it was the first time in 37 years oh Oregon God. did that. <laughs> okay. and we went to the Rose Bowl. Wow. The whole state was on fire. I mean, it was it amazing. Was you were amazing. heroes at this point, okay? We were heroes. <laughs> and and another, another big point was like, hey, if we can put our own selfish desires Mm-hmm. Put that to the back burner yeah. and say, hey, when we have success as a team, yeah. we all will benefit. We all will get the love. We all will get the media. We all will... And that's exactly what happened. And so when I you know got to the league, it was kind of the same thing when I was with the Saints. Like we had a, a lot of individuals who was playing just for themselves. And, you know, it, it took... This time it took like five years for us to really get some buy-in. And, and you know, and, and it's crazy because there's so much turnover. People don't know this, but in the NFL, there's so much turnover from either the coaches or the players. Like from one year to the other, half your team, half your coaching staff could be gone. So you have to you know what I'm saying? So talk about not having excuses. You can't have any excuses. Well, you know, we have a new coaching staff. So what? The whole NFL is like that. (laughs) You you can't can't let that prevent
0: you from... Because what I heard you say at University of Oregon is in the end, near then, you guys began to play as a unit, right? Yes. One team. It wasn't Alex or Bob or John. It was one team, one vision, one mission, one focus, one team. And as you moved into the NFL, and as you say, the turnover is high. But, you know, I'm a fan, a huge fan of football. I'm from Florida. So, I mean, you can't live in the state if you don't like football. (laughs) Otherwise, you got to get out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so we expect you all to come out and win. So whether your coach is new, you got five new players, I don't want to know what's happening behind the scenes. I want to see you get out there, give it 100 and 200% and win. So how did you guys find a way to gel quickly to get into a winning situation? How did you form that team, that one unit so quickly?
1: Well, you know what? It was fast in two thousand for us because we got a we had a new head coach. His name was Jim Haslett um, with the Saints, and I learned so much from him and a couple of other coaches in my life. But as a team, I learned the importance of culture, the importance of culture, and how to create it. And it starts day. One day, one there has to be a buy in, it has to be like this is what we're going to hang our hat on, Mm -hmm. and this is how we're going to drive this thing in the right direction. And it starts, you know, that year it was like there was a lot of guys that was finally given their opportunities from, you know, sitting on the sidelines and waiting, being second string players, Mm -hmm. and now they have new life, you know, and they earned it. But they took full advantage. That 2000 year, we had some talented guys that nobody else knew about in the league. And we had a lot of guys that played for each other. That was the first time in my NFL career where we played for each other. And it was a mixture of older guys and of younger guys. But it was um, like every day in practice, the bar was set high. hmm the bar was set high and and it started from our coaching staff. Honestly, it started from our coaching staff and we believed in them because how they communicated to us and how they made us feel because, you know, most of our coaching staff, you know, were former players. Where in the previous years, it wasn't like that, but I learned a lot about culture and how important it is to create it from day one. And then to have the buy-in from players, especially like the leaders, to have buy-in to where a head coach, even though the head coach is not around, mm-hmm. the same words are being echoed from the leaders of the team. So then it it comes to where where we kind of self-policed ourselves. You mm-hmm. know if that makes sense? Like it we, does. You know we held each other accountable.
0: So as you talk about you know some of those key tenets to kind of building success quickly and really kind of moving to. Uh, forming and performing, right. And being successful as a team, you know, what are some other things as I hear culture, I hear buy-in, I hear accountability. You know, these are things that I'm putting in the formula and team culture being number one, right. We all have to buy into um, how we're going to operate as a unit, how we're going to show up, you know, what were some other things that you saw your coaches do to build a great team? What were some of the things that they focused on? I mean, there was a leadership, there's a teamwork because leadership and teamwork really are, are two sides of the same coin right? Mm -hmm. You can't have one without the other. What were some other things that you think you saw those coaches do to kind of build the great teams that last, right? Even from college to the NFL.
1: Yeah. I think one of the things was, is having a system. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, I had a coach early on in my career. His name is Willie Shaw. He was my defensive back coach, and with that, he had a, a ton of experience. He coached in the NFL for twenty plus years, and wow, he um, had just a great mind. And you know, football at that time was still kind of complicated for me. You know, mm-hmm. it was my second year in the NFL. I'm, I'm still learning how to become a pro, and you know, it was the first time that somebody ever told me about a system. And this system was was he said uh, he said Alex. You know, he pulled me uh, aside after practice one day, and he said, "You know, Alex, you're you know you're a gifted athlete. You're number one, you know, uh, first round draft pick. You have ton of talent, ton of speed and agility. You have all the tools. But so I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you something that can extend your career one, and it can simplify the game for you. It can it can slow the game down for you. Wow, the I'm game leaning was, in right now.
0: Right? Like I want to okay. hear this. Right, this is some good stuff. Right." <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> Because, because the game is really fast. You know, you got John Elway, you know, Dan Marino, Brett, a uh, young Brett Favre. You got wow. the, the game is for Jerry Rice, right? Woo. The game is fast. But he said, if you master these three things, you're going to wow. have success. And you talk about, like you said, leaning in. Oh, I was, <laughs> I was leaning <laughs> writing, in. Writing it down. Let me get my notepad out, yeah. right? <laughs> and he said, assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Wow. And I was like, that's it? What, what are you talking <laughs> about? What are you talking about? What? The three eighties. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And he broke it down. He said, assignment, assignment, you need to know what your job is. That's what assignment is. You need to know what your job is. And I was like, okay. He said, but dig a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, what do you mean? Well, how about knowing what your job is on every play?" but then also knowing your teammates' jobs are on every play. And he said from the safety, the linebackers, shoot, even the defensive linemen, if you can know what their jobs are on every play, think of how more efficient you will be. And, you know, from a number of things. Number one, keeping um, accountability. So, if you're doing your job and you're expecting, you're trusting that the guy next to you is doing their job, and if they don't, you can go to them and say, hey, man, I, you know, I was expecting you you know, in, in this coverage. You're supposed to be right here. I'm expecting you. I'm trusting you to be there so I can be more aggressive and whatever. What happened? What happened? So now if I know other people's jobs, it makes me smarter. It makes me to hold people accountable. And imagine we have more people that have that same mindset. Exactly. That's what builds trust. And when you have trust on a team, the sky's the limit. So that was the first thing. Mm -hmm. Assignment. And then the next one is alignment, right? So he said, how you align on every play. How you align on every play matters. He said, Alex, this is the NFL. If you're one inch misaligned, you're beat before the play even starts. Wow. Right. You are beat before the play even starts. So alignment, he said, don't misinterpret this. It's not a small thing. It's a huge thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once you understand alignment and there's other rules to the game, you know, depending on where the ball is and other stuff, it can get super complicated, but he gave us a simple rule. And, um, but he said, you know, if you can understand this, where you're supposed to align, well, now you can start to play around with your alignment, meaning you can start to disguise. Because you can make it look a certain way, but once the ball is snapped, you're aligned correctly. You know where to be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So then I started to think about the same way, like knowing assignments, right? So if I know somebody's job, and, and, you know, I started thinking about this after football, right? After the kids, all the stuff that I learned, I was like, man, that applies not just on the football field, but that applies to my family, you know? Oh, absolutely. If I know what my role is, and me and my wife, we're on the same page.
0: Powerful. Man.
1: Woo. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then in the job, right? In the workplace, if I know my job, right? Exactly. If I know the ins and outs of it, if I know the ins and outs of my job, and then if I know Susan's job, if I know Tom's job, if I know Marcus's job, how much easier can I make their job, right? It, it, you know, if I do my job a certain way and they expect it, if I can do that, man, it can be a better sense of flow, right? Oh, I love it. Yeah, speaking it's, my it's, language. <laughs> okay. All right. And, and then the same thing with alignment, right? If I'm alignment, if, if I'm aligned correctly, right? And I know about this now because our good friend, Elle, -hmm. I started to find out what really I'm aligned with. And for me, off the field, you know, after all the stuff that I've learned, man, it took me a while, but it's man, man, my faith is what is first for me. I'm aligned. I have to be aligned with my faith. Mm -hmm. And then my family, and then my career. Yes. And, And honestly, after football, it was I was misaligned and I was having great struggle. Like, I was depressed after I finished football mm-hmm. for a long time. And, you know, when I started to get aligned with what, you know, my center, of my core is, yes. is, my faith, man, I started to have fun again, you know? I started to have fun again. So I love uh, that.
0: Yeah. You were kind of moving, uh, how do I say you were no longer swimming against the current, if that makes yeah. sense, right? You are in the flow, Absolutely. right? Just yeah. perfect harmony, right? Not that everything was perfect, but you were in perfect alignment, perfect harmony with the universe, you know, with yeah. God, whatever the case may be. Everybody has a different faith center, but you that's know what right. I'm saying, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, yes, that alignment is. causes the flow, right? For yep. you to be in the flow and for things to just come to you, for things to be accelerated, because everything's aligned. I love that. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then the last part is the, uh, is the adjustment part. And so you know, on the football field, very, very rarely does you know, the offense line up and hike the ball. Maybe, yeah. maybe in high school and youth football. But in the NFL, next time you watch a game, see, see what happens once the quarterback gets under center. Right. The NFL, the NFL, the offense, the quarterback wants to see what you're doing. They want to try to find a weakness. They want to try to get information, right? And so they might cause a shift. They might shift the offense. They might motion a receiver. They might call an audible. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a certain adjustment that needs to be made. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, we got to be ready we got to be ready for every adjustment possible. And so the really good teams that I played on, they were ready for every adjustment. It wasn't, wow. all, what, it, there was no, we covered all the what ifs, right? All the what ifs, we covered that. And so once I understood like that, man, that really sped up my learning. And it gave me great success because the average NFL careers, people might not notice, but it's 3.2 years. Wow. So it has to be. So it's one thing to to make it right. There's a I think you already went over the the small percentage, 0.08 percent of high school football players make it to the NFL. That's the easy part. Okay. <laughs> staying the in. Okay. Part, the hard part <laughs> the hard is staying, staying in. in. <laughs> the hard part is staying in. And, you know, I'm trying to tell people, you know, so I still train, you know, athletes, high school, college, and, and pro uh, athletes. But the high school ones, they still don't get it. They think it's all about a 40 time. If I run a four or five, I want to make it to the NFL. I'm going to get a scholarship. And I was like, son, <laughs> that's not the truth. <laughs> okay. I had the one. That's not the truth. But, it's about, you know, your IQ. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with the whole adjustment, and I was like, man, that gave me great success on the field. What if I look at that off the field? How did I have to adjust my mindset? Mm-hmm. I had to I had to be ready. I had to be ready, you know, for our family to expand. We have eight children. Wow, and it, I love it it.
0: Off, <laughs> <laughs> have a full house, as they oh, say. You,
1: you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, the life is different from two kids to eight. And how do I have to adjust, right? How do I have to adjust from having this platform or being on national you know, TV? Playing, yeah, mm-hmm. national TV. I'm going to stadiums, eighty five thousand fans either cheer wow. me or booing me, right? <laughs> right. To so now, I'm a dad taking my kids to uh, walk my kids to grade school or to uh, elementary. Like guess a certain type of adjustment that I have to make. And for the longest, it took me a while to understand that I'm not the same dude. And, you know, football gave me great things, but it also skewed me a little bit where I put so much into it. It changed who I was. I became Mm. football was who I was. You know, I think that happens to people, whether in their job, with their family, with their fitness. You know, where, where people, they get so consumed with, you know, uh, reaching a certain level that that's all there is. Mm-hmm. And so let's say like with a job. Right. I, I keep trying to, you know, go to this next level, go to the next level. And what happens when you're laid off or when you don't get that promotion? Right. Or what happens when you're you know, you want to be physically fit and you just get consumed with it, what you eat Like, like micro, you know, just down to the little bitty details. And then all of a sudden sickness hits and and you lay it up in the hospital or Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like that becomes who you are. And so it happened to me with football. And when Mm -hmm. football was taken away from me, when it was gone, a big part of me was gone, too. And I had to make an adjustment. I I had to, you know, I had to follow my own steps. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, you you adjusted again, right? I mean, as you were talking and you were talking about, you guys had to be ready for every adjustment and you had to, you had the contingency plan, the backup plan. You had the what ifs, what if this happened? What if that happened? You actually had to, at that point when football started to fade away, right? For whatever reason, you had to have that contingency plan too, right? You had to be agile, mm-hmm. flexible, and you made pivots. You've made a number of pivots in your career, right? Just a phenomenal career as a pro football player, performance coach, leadership coach, motivational speaker. But the most important thing of all is a father, right? And a husband. Yeah. And that's what I hear you talk absolutely. about, right? And, you know, football yeah, in so many ways prepared you, right? Even for life after football, because of all the things you just talked about, assignment, alignment, and adjustment, and you've been able to transfer them not only to your family, um, but to people like me, the people that you, you interface with all the time, right? and really just mm-hmm. helping us navigate success. And, you know, as you talked about your family, I know that they're super important to you. And I know your, your daughter plays basketball and you've got a son that's, you know, playing football and um, probably going to the league one day. Talk a little bit about, I know you're doing things, you're transferring your, your knowledge your, your understanding and your learning. It's not just about football, but about life to them. And uh, they're pretty mature for their age. I mean, I've heard them speak, right? And so you've done a great job. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Thank you. It, it, it's so funny. It's, um, so I just came back, me and my wife and a couple of our kids, we came back from Seattle where we're meeting different sports agents. Right. Ah. So my son is, a, mm-hmm. is, a, is going to be a senior at University of Washington. He had great success last year. And, um, you know, he's projected to get drafted pretty high. Absolutely. And so we're going, through this whole, we're going through this whole process. And because of the experience that I've had, yeah, I'm able to share with him What is your alignment? What's Mm -hmm. most important for you? What do you want to get out of besides having a long career in the NFL? Right. What else is there? What do you want to do? And so, you know, some of the things I teach my kids is what gives you joy? You know, and so starting with that, what gives you joy? What inspires you? Absolutely. Right. And then like what people do you want to be around? What people do you want to have influence over you? Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm really, we are, me and my wife are really mindful of the company that they keep.
0: Absolutely.
1: You know, I hung around the bad crowd, you know, I, I did that and I thought it was cool, but it really wasn't cool. And so th- that's, that's one of the, the, the biggest things that, you know, I teach my kids is, is, uh, you know, number one, like your character, which is who you are. You need to find out exactly who you are Mm -hmm. outside, uh, outside of sports, outside of what you do or your platform. Who are you, you know, and hopefully that, you know, we've raised them in a way that they, they know, you know, who they are, what drives them. And, you know, they all are, you know, you know, we love our family hmm. And, and when I tell him, I said, when, when you step outside this house, you're not just representing yourself, you know, you're representing us. Absolutely. You know, you're representing us.
0: And That's I know powerful. none of them want to
1: let us down. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I as you were speaking, it just reminded me of my grandmother and my mom, right? The same thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, yeah. you're representing this brand, you're representing the family. And so when you go outside, they know, okay, that's Alex Molden's son, or, you know, for my grandmother, well, you're Miss Johnny May's granddaughter, right? So
1: mm-hmm.
0: the community knows. And so how you show up in the community is a reflection of your family and they're going to find out. So don't think they won't find out. <laughs> I learned That's that. right,
1: that's right.
0: <laughs> okay, before you get home, the message has already been sent to your grandma.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> you know how that is. Well, yep. listen, I know we're running. I probably need to wrap up, but I to keep talking to you for forever. I'm going to ask a few more questions because this is um, because I've heard you talk about keeping a shark in your tank. And I just love that. And I love for you to talk about what that means to you. How does it show up in your life? And how can we learn from that uh, metaphor of keeping a shark in your tank?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So it was something that I. I was reading a couple of years ago and I was, there was this really cool story about this fisherman in Japan and what he was doing, right. So he would, he would fish, he would fish the, um, you know, the shoreline mm-hmm. and they did it so much, not just him, but other fishermen to where there was no more fish near the shoreline. So they had to travel a ways out. Mm-hmm. And so they would travel a ways out and they would catch the fish Right. And they bring it back. And, you know, the people in the town, they loved it. Well, they had fished out so much, they had to go out even farther. Mm-hmm. And so what they would have to do is they had to, you know, they decided to get smarter and they put uh, freezers in their boats. Right. So then they can go out very far. They fish and then they, they put the, uh, you know, the fish in the freezer. They bring it back to the, to the people. Well, the people didn't like the taste of it. it said it didn't taste the same. Didn't what? taste the same. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly right. So then it was like, man, well, shoot, well, we, we, we gotta fix this. We got a problem. We gotta, right? Have a, you know, we gotta, we gotta figure it out. You know what? Uh, instead of the the freezer, let's take the freezers out. Let's put a fish tank we put a fish tank in the boats so we catch them. Everything okay. will be a okay, right? right. Like they did that. Catch the fish. The fish get in there and they start flapping around, mm-hmm. and then it would stop, and then they would stop flapping, and then they they bring it. You know, they bring the fish back and give it to the people. What? The people still didn't like the fish. It didn't taste the same. <laughs> what? It didn't taste the same. So they're following. You know, they was frustrated and whatnot. And they end up, um, you know, the fishermen went to the old wise man at the end of the dock. And uh, asked, him, oh, wise man, what do we need to do? Well, that's easy. You put a small shark in your fish tank. You put a small shark in your fish tank, those fish will start to move. And so... They did that. They put a a smart shark in a fish tank. The fish was moving now, and they brought it back, and the people ate the fish.
0: It was a fresher fish because they kept moving, is that?
1: That's exactly right, and we need that in our lives sometimes. And there's a shark that was put in me and your fish tank. His name is Eldridge Boussard. Oh, right. <laughs> right? Okay, that's <laughs> and, and, true. Right? And you and you need people like that. See, and and I tell a story. You know, during uh, many of my speaking engagements, I tell a story about you know during my football time mm-hmm. when I was with the Chargers, and um, you know the San Diego Chargers picked uh, Quentin Jammer. They picked him fifth overall. Mm-hmm. And I had just wow. came off. Yeah, I just came off of a a, a year where. I just got paid. They gave me a big contract, but I got hurt and I didn't produce. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they got Quentin to take my job. And I went back to all the things that I learned about assignment, alignment and adjustment. And because of that mindset, I had the best year of my career. Wow. And Quentin was my shark. And there's a lot of times where we got to have a shark put in our tank to push us.
0: Yes, I love to that. To become
1: better, yeah, to become better. hmm
0: So, yeah. Wow, that's powerful. I- I'm gonna remember that. Keep the shark in your tank. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sure. me become the best me, right? Let's that's go. what it's designed for. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience before I kind of move to a fun round of questions?
1: Yeah, I just, you know, there's, uh, there's, um, so I'm a big believer. Of self-development, of personal mm-hmm. development, right? Me and, too. And it's so like, you know, I've seen it on a sporting, you know, platform. You know, for me to reach the type of level of success in every, whether it's high school, whether it was college and in the pros, I have to have a coach. And I have to be coachable. Yeah. And I have to have people in my corner that can tell me stuff that they can tell me the truth Mm -hmm. and not be worried about, you know, if I'm going to like them or not, or if it, no, this is the data. This is the truth. And, you know, for me, it's like, if you want to reach different and higher levels, you need to have people in your corner that can make you feel uncomfortable by telling you the truth. If you want, if you want to hear it. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people you know especially in especially in the sports industry as athletes that they've been told what they want to hear for so long by their friends and their mm-hmm. peers that their world is not the real world right you know what i'm saying like there's a there, there's a lot of people who are just stuck in that fantasy world where because of the success that they 've had, sure, people have been lying to them for a long time, and so I just you know if you can have somebody that can that can push you to become a better a better person or a better leader, man, it can take you to different heights I love higher, it. higher heights <laughs>
0: absolutely. You become the best version of yourself, right and again, it goes back to the importance of the team I was just talking to. My sister today and we were just talking about the importance of having people come alongside you partner with you to help you get to where you where you want to go in life right we're not mm-hmm. meant to be isolated and we're meant to be connected to other humans and through That's those right. connections the power of those connections and the communication and the the knowledge sharing that helps us get to where we're supposed to be faster it's it's the flow that you've talked about whatever that divine mm-hmm. purpose and destiny is You have to have people come alongside of you to your point and speak into your life and help you get there. If I want to be an NFL player, I know I need to talk to Alex. I can't do that on my own, no matter, to your point, how many mornings I get up at five o'clock in the morning, how many sprints I run, how many weights I lift. The knowledge base that you have is invaluable because you've walked that path before. Mm And if I lock arms with you, I'm going to get there faster. And hopefully with less bruises along the way, (laughs) okay, less injuries. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, you're so spot on, right? We have to be coachable. We have to be teachable. And we have to be willing to listen to those who really care about us. And I believe that uh, we all have that personal board of advisors, that board of directors. Your team, for me, Team Lakeisha, Team Alex, Team Molden, right? I mean, your son has yep. you, right? I mean, as he yes. this path to the NFL, I mean, oh my gosh, there's so many roadblocks that are going to be moved, so many landmines he'll never have to step on mm. because he's coachable and because yeah. you planted that in him. And so I really appreciate you saying that because so many people are looking for a mentor or a coach these days, but you have to be willing to listen to them. One of my other um, coaches, Trudy, she was on the podcast. I call the truth teller, right? When you call mm. truth, you're going to get the truth, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and it's yep. going to be actionable. But you know, do you want to hear it or not? But it's all said in love, which is what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, love it, love it, love it. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go, but before I do, I want to have a bit of fun, even more fun than I've had already. Let's go. <laughs> um, I'll <laughs> say a word or phrase, and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, favorite food.
1: Oh, favorite food. Oh, man, I, you know what? I love fish tacos.
0: Me too. I
1: love tacos. I love fish tacos, yeah.
0: I just had some tonight, as a matter of fact. Okay.
1: There you go. Tacos.
0: Yep. Okay, great. So what's your guilty pleasure if you have one?
1: Oh, man, guilty pleasure. Oh, man, I love my wife's chocolate chip cookies.
0: Oh, my gosh, those sound amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: Hot chocolate chip <laughs> out of the oven. You're in trouble.
1: Oh, yes, yes
0: love it okay i don't know that you have a lot of time to watch tv out because i know between coaching performance coaching speaking podcasting you know do you have a current netflix addition addiction at this point
1: oh man you know what we've been changing it up every you know documentaries has been a big Mm -hmm. one but but we just started this other one and and this you know we watched it before but now our daughters are a little bit older Friday Night Lights. <laughs> mm, yeah, I love it.
0: Okay. You're like, yes, look, he's a football. Well, then you guys yeah. have to watch All-American. Have you watched All-American?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. We oh, watched I love that. that. Yeah. We watched that one. Yep. yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gotcha.
0: Okay, Dream Vacation.
1: We want to do the Mediterranean. So who inspires you today? Oh, man, you know what? I'm looking for inspiration, like, everywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I look for inspiration, you know, when I go to the track and I see you know, older people getting after on the track or in the weight room or, you know, I'm I'm always looking for inspiration and it can be anywhere, you you know, and, you know, the thing that I found out about, man, when you go through struggle, you know, and and there's a lot of, a lot of people out today that they're scared of struggle or they don't want their kids to go through struggle. Mm -hmm. And so I know at the end of it, it can shape them to become better. And so I don't shy away from struggle and for, you know, from people, you know, what I do do mm-hmm. is I tell them, hey, you can get through this. And on the other side of it, man, you're going to be so much better. There's a, there's a young lady who just recently, she's a high schooler. She plays uh, soccer, I believe, and she just tore her ACL about mm. two weeks ago. Yeah. And she's limping around, and and all this. And I told her, and I showed her my scar. Mm-hmm. And I got a scar. I got two. Scars. I still got two screws in this knee. Wow. But the scar is like eight inches long. My goodness. And I said, and I and I told her the story. I said, because of this scar, there are things that I could have never have accomplished because of this. I could have never made it. I don't think, to the level that I did in the NFL. And the mentality—not just like the structure of this knee, but the mentality that it gave me. Wow! And on the other, that. on the other side of struggle, there can be beauty. And Ooh. but you just gotta—you know—you've got to be able to see the other side and not just stay stuck. So
0: wow, that's powerful. <laughs> on the other side of struggle, is always something more
1: beautiful. Mm-hmm. It can be. Yeah, it can, be. Yeah, it can <laughs> yeah. be. yeah,
0: You have the power to make it be more beautiful. <laughs>
1: That's right. <Yeah>. That's right.
0: <laughs> okay. Man, let me tell you, I know my listeners are going to want to stay connected <laughs> to you. So talk about how we can get more of Mr. Alex Molden, because I'm telling you, the wisdom and the knowledge, I mean, it's just flowing. And I know I want to continue to stay connected with you. So what are the best ways? Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Shark Effect,
1: I'm on all of it. Okay. I'm on so so. I keep you know me. I try to simplify. I try to keep things simple. That's all right. I learn. So across all social platforms, it's at Alex Molden. That's it. There it is. There um, it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, have a, I have a website and same thing. Just www dot dot com. It takes you to you know what I do with okay. uh, with with speaking and coaching, and um, yeah, I have a. have a pretty cool I love my podcast because I get to hear (laughs) inspiration I get to hear inspirational stories and um and I I definitely I want to have you on Lakeisha okay I'd love to i love to yeah so yeah and and that's called the shark effect and um you know it's about hearing and not just hearing stories but finding out what has made people successful in Mm -hmm. all, all different industries I have coaches, I have uh, former uh, professional athletes, I have current professional athletes, I have business women, entrepreneurs, you know, people from all walks of life that have gone through different struggles and have, have a, uh, you know, I open up or I have them open up about what has gave them, what's the formula, what's the system yeah. that has helped them get to the other side and, and help them have the type of success that they've had.
0: It's amazing. Oh, my gosh. You have certainly a who's who I love your guests. I'm like, oh, my gosh, where else can I get the opportunity to feel like I can reach out and touch these people. Right. And it's really through the association with you and the people that, you know, and that's the power of that that connection and and leveraging other people and partnering and being coachable and teachable because everybody has a circle. And um, it's awesome when the circles can collide and you can meet new people. So thank you for what you're yeah, doing on that right. platform. It's just fantastic. Well, oh, I've enjoyed you. it so much. You've been <laughs> amazing. Thank you, Mr. This Alex
1: Muldoon. Thank, <laughs> thank you. This has been fun. This is great. I love it. I love it.
0: Well, listen, we'll let you go, but we'll certainly have you back on it again soon. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. You have a good one. You too. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of ROAR. Tune in next time for more awesome talks with people at the top. Don't forget to subscribe and share so you're the first to know when our newest episodes are available. Until next time.